welcome to that movie was, which is a discussional podcast on movies. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Hey, everyone. Michael here. All right. Um, so this being our first podcast, I figured before we jump into the movie, maybe we'll give some background on us. Um, I'll say for me, I have no experience in the film world whatsoever. Um, I'm just a guy who <laughs> loves movies. Uh, and I'm always looking for something new. Um, I'd say that I really like going back to uh, 80s slashers, um, one of my favorite genres. Um, Freddy Krueger. the 13th, yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger. And then even like the bad ones, I, you know, the campier the better. Uh, <laughs> and then also stuff like uh, other B movies, like all the trauma movies. But how about you, Michael? uh yeah yeah uh intro about me uh yeah i have no film background myself like i've tried stepping into that world before uh had a couple opportunities but they never came to real any fruition um i did get a minor in school actually so i put my i put my time in i put my time most expert of us (laughs) so always (laughs) take my word yeah uh 80s movies that's actually uh a genre i like as well i mean there's just countless of examples i mean we can go talk about the goonies for three episodes probably worth just alone but horror movies horror movies never really got me man just because uh i think at a young age when me and my brother were at a hotel and watched the grunge for the first time uh i really got the you know the scare. I got the scare there. So, <laughs> so whenever I think of horror movies, man, uh, I'm just wa- I'm just like, I'm that kid that if something's really coming up in the movie, I'll defer to looking at my candy box and like reading the <laughs> back. anywhere other than the screen. Like, oh my gosh, three grams of trans fat per serving. My goodness, I should walk my way. Oh, Oof. someone died. Oh my goodness. Sorry. No, that is scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Gotta watch out for those different colored dyes and artificial flavors. Yeah. I would but say, if I, I were what? Well, I was just gonna say, I mean, yeah, like I I think that's why I'm into the like eighties slashers. Cause I I mean those at a certain point kind of became like comedy movies. I mean oh, true <laughs> once that. you get past like Friday four I mean, they're basically just comedies at that point. You have like a zombie Jason running around. He's not even on Camp Crystal Lake anymore. He goes to Manhattan at one point and <laughs> yeah. then space in another. So, well, hey, if we're product, well, okay, if we're going to take that one for example, I mean, shame on the movie industry to beat a dead horse multiple times. <laughs> but I think we're just products of different eras, man. Do you, you recall seeing the uh, Evil Dead movie? I do, you, yeah, the remake. For those of you that have never seen that movie, Evil Dead is a slasher movie for teenagers that go to a cabin, and uh, it's about 90% of the budget, just fake blood. Fake just blood. Yeah. Fake blood and uh, really subpar acting. <laughs> I, in fact, actually, in the uh, newer version, I'm not, I can't say if I know this happens in the older version of the movie, but the new version, the last 30 minutes, it rains blood. So It does not uh, happen in the original. 
Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay, good. Yeah, no, that was so, a uh, artistic uh, choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very mise en scene, you know. Mise en scene. <laughs> All right. Well, circle back. Yeah, let's circle back to why we're here today. Let's talk about the movie that we saw this week. This week we watched a little film called Hell or High Water from 2016. Um, I had not seen this one before. Had you, Michael? I have not. I have not. So I was well surprised to start off our adventures with a Western. Yeah, cowboy. I thought it was a nice little gym. Um, we both caught it on Netflix, streaming right now on the U.S. Netflix. Um, so you can catch it there if you have that. Um, but yeah, I mean, not to give too much away because I think we'll talk about um, you know kind of our feelings more later on in the episode. But I was really enjoyed this movie um i thought this was a nice find Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes i agree i agree uh it definitely uh beginning expectations to the movie uh i do like westerns i do like westerns but knowing that this was going to be uh the bank robber type movie uh i couldn't help but think back to some of the old bank robber type movies like uh i'm blanking on the name matt what's the movie with attica and robin you know that movie with uh the guy from godfather michael from godfather you know what movie i'm talking about i can look it up please do please do and uh some other well-known bank robber movies i mean Bonnie and Clyde, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That's another great oh, Western sure, yeah. bank robber movie. But uh, comparing those two is like apples and oranges. They're definitely uh, they're definitely different different on the bank robbing stage in terms of uh, you know cow poking and basically Western musicals versus this drama. Yeah, this was modern day modern day Western, um, and I, yeah, I. I like Westerns too. So I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about, <laughs> I guess a modern day Western, but they kind of play into um, how things have moved along. I mean, you know, at one point there's even a uh, cowboy character um, talks to the uh, Texas Ranger in this movie. And he's kind of like, uh, you know, Oh, you know, like cowboy days are over. Like <laughs> make sure my sons don't like have to do this kind of a thing. You know, they're kind of uh, they're kind of saying that times have moved on. Oh yeah, yeah, I do recall that point in the movie. Uh, definitely, definitely, you can see it. But at the same time, I would argue with the fact that the times have not reached, as you can see in many of the places of uh, Texas. Oh yeah, I mean, such a towns. yeah, such a vast open area and not enough people to fill it up, especially not enough money. As you, uh, the movie portrays and um surprised we never so, saw tumbleweed blowing past right, it, in these uh, it, it, it reminds me of just like being 10 to 15 years behind the times not maybe in the sense of like technological advances but just in the like in the sense of these small towns and their your like population two thousand people and uh i think of there's a a uh, particular part of the movie where the sheriff goes to eat a T-bone steak with his partner at the restaurant. And this woman's here have been working 48 years serving the exact same dish to every one of their customers that came through. So that's what I definitely felt. Upon. I'm going to go out on a limb. Might not be a popular opinion. I think that lady was the best actor in the movie. 
<laughs> over Jeff Bridges. Over Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yeah, she got robbed when it came to the nominations. Jeff Bridges, he did get a uh, nomination for Best Supporting Actor, but um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. This so like we said before, this film came out in 2016. Um, actually received a critical acclaim right off the bat. Made back its money and then some. Uh, made for a budget of 12 million made back just shy of 38 million so that's great um and then money in the bank went on to get nominated for a handful of different oscars and golden globes don't think it had any wins but still um great cast in this movie yeah i thought so too um i was actually looking into some of the well i was just touching on the you know I, I named them the three main characters. So you got uh, mm-hmm. our main character here, Chris Pine, who's playing Toby. Mm-hmm. He's our he's our main character, the divorced father of uh, two sons, and he's one of the bank robbers' partners with his older brother, uh, who is played by Ben Foster. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes by the name Tanner in that film. Uh, both those guys have definitely seen them in the past. In some, re- I mean, I don't have to go into Jeff Bridges. I mean, Big Lebowski. Come on, oh sure, anyone. Yeah. Anyone who's anyone needs to see that movie. If you haven't, get on it. It's amazing. <laughs> the dude. But, yeah, yeah, the dude. Exactly. He definitely. He. I had a very dude esque uh, persona in this film as well, or maybe that's just the daily life of being Jeff Bridges. Yeah, it's pretty laid back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But when I thought of Chris Pine, I couldn't help but just think of all the like. Uh, he's he's a very. Um, I'm the handsome main character, action adventure uh, yeah. character. Like, uh, the first thing I came up with, I was thinking of Star Trek. Right. Uh, that was my first kind of mm-hmm. um, thought, too, when it comes to Chris Pine. I, you know, I, I don't have anything against Chris Pine, but I just don't think he's been in a ton of movies that I've personally watched. I know he's, you know, kind of known for playing just handsome main character. You know, he played. Kirk in the Star Trek reboot movies and outside of that I mean I know he's done like some you know romantic comedies and things like that but um, uh, he was a soldier in Wonder Woman right well. yeah that's right but he was very uh, even as a supporting character he's uh, just uh, the handsome soldier or something like that too. yeah I thought he did a really good job in this movie um yeah, yeah, he definitely fit into. If there was any one part that his portfolio fills, uh, Texas Western bank, like crime fighter, or not, not crime fighter, good, you know, bank robber, <laughs> bank robber, yeah, the opposite of a crime fighter. But yeah, I could, I could see it in that role. Yeah, yeah, he was a, it was good casting. I, I wouldn't have thought off the bat that he could play kind of a grizzled Texas. But uh, he did it. And Old then, cow poke. <laughs> ben Foster was a big surprise to me. I don't know that I've ever seen this actor in anything else. I was looking up. His I had to do a little digging as well. Yeah. I had to do a little digging as well. Definitely some support character roles. Um, actually, believe it or not, I found out that he was in Freaks and Geeks, that oh, old really? uh, one season TV show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he played. A comb over nerdy character in that one as well. Definitely support character, but uh, it was fun to go digging back into a couple of those episodes that he played in. 
I think and, everybody uh, who was in Freaks and Geeks turned out to be a you know big name. <laughs> yeah, it really careers. did. Like of all child actors, there and to come out and make the make a name for themselves, Freaks and Geeks is definitely one with a large pool of uh, successful actors. Yeah, if anybody listening hasn't seen Freaks and Geeks, it's only one season that it aired. I don't know how on many Netflix. episodes. You gotta check it out on Netflix. That's on Netflix. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, I think we already talked. I mean, Jeff Bridges is Jeff Bridges. You know, he's going to, like, <laughs> chew the scenery and anything that he's in. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, Westerns are his bread and butter. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, he just recently did with Matt Damon, True Grit, a couple of years back, uh, basically uh, redoing that old show, that old movie again. Mm-hmm. Uh, did well in that one, doing – doing a sheriff role the man has a very sheriff feel to him yeah he kills it um yeah so you want to start us off with the maybe a synopsis of the movie real quick so our viewers know what they're uh get a refresh of what the movie was about yeah sure thing so um toby played by chris pine and tanner played by ben foster they are uh two brothers who go on a string of kind of mid-size bank robberies in West Texas. Um, now, Toby is a, a divorced father of two, and Ben Foster is a uh, ex-con. Um, and the reason that they are robbing these banks is so they can, uh, I guess, get back the uh, deed for their mother's ranch that got passed down to Toby. Did, am I getting That's that right? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And basically, on that branch, they found oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So the the bankers of this Western Texas, the Texas Midland Bank, mm-hmm. that's what they were that's what they were called in the movie. Basically had ownership of some uh bad taxes, back taxes on uh Toby and Tanner's mother who had just recently passed away. So uh in debt, they are trying to reclaim the land before it is foreclosed on them because it was also recently, as Matt just said, uh, found oil. Right. So they're coming, trying to come up with the money by Friday. They never say what day that the uh, movie starts. So they keep on saying Friday's the day. And uh, what, uh, what bank branches do they end up hitting other than what the Texas Midland banks who just happened to be upgrading their security cameras at the time. So, I mean, the movie starts off with, I mean, we're already in it. They hit, I think two banks in the first 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. They're there in the middle of their, their adrenaline rushing. As we stop into the movie, so yeah, uh, you're not waiting for anything got, to happen. Yeah, you're up. You're up in front of your seat, watching what's happening. And so they're only looking for kind of smaller bills, the ones, fives, tens, twenties, but don't want anything in the hundred range where it's going to be able to be traced a little easier. And then also don't want bundles because those have like die packs. And so um, they hit those two banks, make off with the money that alerts. <laughs> Jeff Bridges, who is named Marcus. Yep, Marcus. In the movie. And he is a Texas Ranger. Um, and he has a partner 
Alberto, played by um, Gil Birmingham, plays a uh, half Indian, half Mexican um, Texas Ranger. Along with him, yeah, he was, him him alone was just an entire melting pot of race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he had a little touch of everything going on in his ancestry pool. Yeah, you brought the diversity to the movie, and Jeff Bridges is—he's <laughs> yeah. uh, sure to point it out anytime that they get into a conversation. <laughs> yeah, that was actually—I'm sure we might even touch a little bit on it later, but. Um, yeah, maybe I mean, it wasn't good fun and everything like that, but it, the racist, the racism card was definitely uh, around. Yeah, I don't know that Alberto was always uh, happy about it. Yeah, uh, real happy about it. <laughs> um, I think that um, the director in this movie wanted to make known of the uh, last few hundred years the different cultural shift and everything of the native american culture being basically you know driven out by uh white americans and then also i mean a point was made in the movie that now the white americans are being uh you know taken over by the banking system so lots of lots of uh oh what's the word i'm looking for well not really like imagery but not um Symbolism? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, don't know exactly because I don't know what the symbol is, but it's definitely yeah. a um, history repeating itself, if not on its neighbor, on one another. That's right, uh, for sure. Good point. Well, hey, I think before we get too much further in the synopsis of the movie, I should say, um, if you haven't seen this, we are going to talk some spoilers. So. Um, good good yes yeah, so we yeah, almost forgot the disclaimer there we are talking about this movie in depth ladies and gentlemen so there will be things that spoilers will be told so this is a discussion forum uh we're not here to you know rate rate the movie before we see it All right so yeah like we said it's streaming on netflix if you want to pause the episode watch it come right back uh, <laughs> not have a spoil. <laughs> we That's will be mean. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So those, those two f- initial bank robberies, um, that gets the attention of Marcus yeah. and Alberto. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of wondering, Hey, you know, why these guys steal so little from the bank? I think the first one they hit, they got 7,000 from um, just kind of, Thinking it's not like in terms robberies. of robberies. In terms of bank robberies, it's small fry. Pretty small, yeah. For the amount of risk you're taking on. <laughs> Seriously, now uh, that's actually a great point, though. And I was going to make it just speaking about Jeff Bridges being the ranger that he is in Western Texas. Uh, I don't know if the last time you guys have looked on a map of Texas, but that place is ginormous. Mm-hmm. We're talking about these small little towns that are more than like a hundred miles apart from one another. And all of them have these small little police forces. And, uh, it just, uh, it almost seemed unfair it's for Tanner to cover. Yeah. So unless and it's, and it's like it brings me back to my example of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid again. Like, and, and one of my favorite comedians, um, 
John Mulaney makes a great joke about it, about how these bank robbers used to not be scared of the police force and they would literally, you know, <laughs> fire off their names in their bullets onto the, the bank wall. Like, <laughs> remember the Sundance kids? <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if the cops aren't like 15 minutes in the know-how of the robbery already happening, uh, there's very little opportunity for these small banks and these rangers to really, uh, you know, get a hold of these guys. Yeah. Uh, especially with how smart that they're playing their game, not taking any big bills, not going into the back of the vault, to, you know, to get the money bags. They're just there to, uh, you know, they got a goal in mind. That's exactly right. Yeah, and uh, we'll get into how Jeff Bridges and Alberto try and get around that um, just a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, after those two bank robberies, you get hungry. So Toby and Tanner, (laughs) they go to a diner. Uh, They worked up a hunger. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They go to a diner. They're talking about their score. They're talking about, you know, Hey, what's next for us? We got to get rid of this car. We got to, you know, um, plan our next one tomorrow because they only had until Friday to get this money back to the bank. Right. Remember, they only have like till the end of the week. They're they're at their, you know, they're on the last, uh, you know, on their hands and knees, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, they got to get this money or else that ranch with all the oil on it is going to get turned over to the bank. Right. Um, and so uh, they're eating, and Tanner, I think, notices a uh, bank across the street. This one is not a Texas Midlands branch. Um, and while Toby is paying for the bill, um, getting flirted with by the waitress, that place uh tanner goes in robs this other branch alone um he's successful makes off with you know some uh small bills again but this one does have a camera and and it was a lot less um planned well obviously it was less planned than the first two but just in terms of execution and uh, means of holding on to the money as he's running to the car, the money flies out. His <laughs> was shirt, stressing me out. He, you know, that shirt he's holding on to. Also, I wanted to make a point, and I don't know, like it was not shown in the movie, so it's my observation. But I, it almost seems as if as Tanner was leaving, because what he says to Toby he says that he's going to go to the bathroom yeah. while Toby pays for the bill, and they'll meet outside. And I thought. In my back of my mind, that waitress came around so quick to talk to Toby that maybe Tanner said something to her like, hey, my, my brother over there got the hot for you. Something yeah, like, all right. I could right? believe that. Maybe something that they don't show in the movie, but yeah. that's believable. Also very well executed by the cameraman in this sense because as uh, we can see during the scene that um, there is a large window panel to the entrance of the store so we're looking at toby who's got his back to the entrance of the store flirting with this waitress and in the background you can make out actually tanner cross crossing the street and going on over to uh rob the bank and while we all know this is foreshadowing of what's happening uh we also hear a crash but the crash actually comes from the back 
right. of the kitchen and we're all thinking that it was the uh uh the bank and the, maybe the, that something had gone wrong so well executed by the director there and also the camera shooting yeah i thought that was good cinematography there definitely very much so yeah so um <laughs> it was stressing me out when he was running back tanner was running back to the car uh, you know he's yelling at toby who just got into the uh, driver's seat start the car start the car money's flying out of his shirt because that's where he's storing it and then they drive away with the windows rolled down <laughs> i was just <laughs> to see bills flying <laughs> as they're driving away you know it's it was crazy but um, hey, well- yeah, that was funny. And I, I actually, to be honest, what I thought was some of the better scenes of this film is how they go about next paying out their money because they want to make sure that this money is untraceable. Right. So what do they go and do? They go, go over Indian and go casino. Go to a casino. Exactly. They go put their money into chips. Chips goes back to the casino. The casino takes it as countings, and they all have to do is just write a cashier's check to uh, their local bank and essentially that money comes back um, fingerprint free let's put it that way yeah i thought it was a smart way of laundering it um i'm sure in reality that there's probably some protections to get around that but i don't know enough that i mean i can believe that (laughs) you would be able to launder the money especially when it's small enough bills that you know there's not a uh, a trace out on them Um, oh well to be i mean it's uh, my take on that is, and I made sure to make a note about it, just because it's not only seen in uh, the banking, but you could see it at the casino and the, the and also a car dealership because they have to go buy another car. Right. But really, I'm tr- the point I'm trying to make is American businesses bypassing government laws and regulations. Like, for example, we're talking about the casino scene. And the, I think at the end of the, the day, the casino doesn't want to question anything about that money. Oh, they're they getting their want, money either way. Yeah, they just want to make sure that the money ends up in their pocket. Mm-hmm. So I, at the end, so and the same thing happens to this car dealership. Uh, another example is they go and have to get a, another uh, another uh, getaway car mm-hmm. at, to on towards the film. And during that, I mean. They had no papers were signed, no, uh, uh, you know, inspections were made. It, they just bought it right off the lot. And so anything that you cold, hard cash does a lot of talking in this movie. And we can see that time and time again uh, through different examples and uh, especially with our own banking system. As long as the money is going through them, they don't really care where it comes from. Yeah, you make a good point. And that car dealer, too, I mean, he, <laughs> you know, something shady is going on, but, you know, he doesn't care. I, I, one of the characters even says to him, don't report, report the car stolen until Friday. So, I mean, <laughs> that oh, was. Oh, uh, yeah. I totally forgot that scene. You're absolutely right. So, yeah, yeah. It's so very clever on their part. Um, and it just goes to show that, um, Money, money does a lot of talking, and uh, as the way these guys are doing it, uh, who knows? Maybe if the movie played out and they were a little more, they had a little more time, they probably could have hit ten more banks before any, any before they got any more uh, in the heat, in the in the fuzz. Right, and so. Yeah, the two Texas Rangers, Marcus and Alberto, uh, they kind of know 
um, they kind of know the patterns of what's going on. I mean, two Texas Midlands banks have been robbed. One other smallish bank got robbed, but they're still kind of keeping up with, you know, hey, th- this pattern shows that the next bank that's probably going to be robbed is another Texas Midlands branch. There's only a couple others because they're not going to hit, you know, the main um, headquarters. And so uh, Marcus and Alberto actually um, drive out and kind of uh, do a little sting operation, sitting out front waiting for one of these branches to be hit. Yes, uh, this is a very last resort situation for them. Texas being such a big state as it is, and uh, Tanner and Toby are covering their tracks rather well uh, in terms of bank robbing, at least. But uh, there's only so many places they can go. And uh, Jeff Bridges' character earlier on in the film had came to the conclusion that – there was some sort of method to the madness here. They were robbing banks, yes, but to, it was for some goal. It wasn't just for the thrill-seeking challenge or, uh, uh, as they put it, a uh, twink trying to get their next fix on some drugs. Mm-hmm. It was very methodical, very timed out, and uh, it had a finish is what I'm trying to say here. So <laughs> there was uh, only a couple more banks that hadn't been hit on this trail of tyranny, and... Um, so exactly what Matt had said, they post up in a little place called Post and uh, basically just try and sit and wait for the next bank to get hit. Yeah, and so um, kind of a weird twist of fate. Uh, Market, or yeah, so Marcus and Alberto are sitting outside of Post um, and that was going to be the next bank that Toby and Tanner were going to go hit, right? This is where I got a little no, confused because Jeff Bridges starts going through some uh, some right. maps at this point. So what happened was is that um, Jeff and Alberto here have a little bit of information that Toby and Tanner didn't. Along their trail of places to hit, there was a bank along the way that, that was closed down. They closed down the branch. And so when... Jeff and Alberto already knew that they went to the next place in mind, which was uh, this place called Post. And uh, so, unbeknownst to Toby and Tanner, they try and go hit that first bank, realize it's closed, try and go hit this other smaller bank. But by the time they're driving there, they realize that it's just too small of a town, not enough, not enough money's flowing through there to get enough to the point where it's going to be worth their time. Right. There's so, a bigger branch in this other town. And exactly. that's going to be a bigger score is how Tanner puts it to Toby. Yes. Toby is the plan setter in this motion. He doesn't like it, but he doesn't have any choice in the matter because it's, uh, it's true. There was enough money there. So they, uh, fall, they start falling into the sting, the trap that, uh, Alberto and Marcus have set up. Right. And so, I mean, here you can see that Tanner's really, I guess, the uh, chaotic one of the two. Um, you well, know, he, once already. He doesn't, yeah, right. He's an ex con. Um, I think he went to prison for actually killing their uh, dad, who, you know, abusive. I believe, I believe it was and, actually bank robbing. 
he had gotten charged. He got, but that was, uh, I remember later on the film. Uh, yes, it was, it was a hunting accident. Hunting but, accident, uh, quote unquote. <laughs> yes, but uh, to all our viewers out there, uh, it was actually the family grew up between these two boys. This was a, a abusive mother and father, so no one was uh, upset about their passing in a sense. Right. And so, I mean, Tanner kind of seems, I think he's in it for, you know, the thrill, not, not the money. I mean, he, he kind of knows what's waiting for him on the other side of this and it's not a, um, you know, right. Riding off into the sunset. I think, uh, that's your excellent point that it was a thrill seeking operation for him. But, uh, at the end of the day, it was, uh, to help his brother because, um, right. Although having uh, not the best parents, they had a strong relationship growing up. It, it, you can see it throughout the movie that they their bond is strong. So yeah, uh, they do have one point in the movie. I think both of them are drinking at the ranch and uh, just tussling Chris around Pine, each other. Toby. <laughs> and they get into a little wrestling spat. That was uh, <laughs> oh, wrestling that was interesting the boys <laughs> I think they might have had to fill in some time to make that 90 minute mark. <laughs> yeah, actually, so I think ben, Toby turns actually over Chris, to- that was actually uh, Chris and Ben Foster are both best friends in real life. So, you know, the camera just caught them having a good old time out. In between it's in their takes. contracts. <laughs> they got to have at least one wrestling match. <laughs> one good old tussle. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so Toby uh, turns over to Ben while they're drinking, and uh, he he does ask him like, "Hey, you know, why are you why are you doing this?" And Tanner does answer him because you asked me, little brother. So that tells you all that you need to know. I mean, he cares about his brother, but does he think that you know all of this is going to turn out peachy for him? No. Um, but yeah, so they so they go to this bigger branch that ends up being a bad idea. Uh, so they can tell from they can, like immediately walking in, they were like, "Oh crap!" Immediately knew it was a bad idea. Filled with people. Yeah, yeah. Compared to these branches, they're normally walking into that have no one in it, maybe one or two people. This first one must have at least thirty people, three tellers each. I mean, it goes off into hallways. No one can see past the corners. It's it's basically a bank robber's, uh, an amateur bank robber as themselves nightmare. Right. So, yeah, Tanner kind of takes over when Chris Pine, Toby, gets uh, kind of skittish. Um, Tanner takes over. He's telling tellers what to do. Um, and then we see a security guard kind of uh, creeping up from one of the uh, back hallways. Um, and also, at the same time, there's a uh, one of the civilians in the bank as a uh, pistol also he's you know doing a concealed or open carry um, oh it's all full of holes i mean uh there was even a, a girl there that texted her dad to call the police so i mean yes. like strike three you're out in my book by yeah. the by the rule of baseball yeah this we this wasn't going to go well as soon as you see all those people sitting there <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Tanner Tanner ends up killing the uh, security guard when he tries to take a shot. He also uh, shoots the uh, civilian who um, tries to took, uh, took arms. Yeah, tried to take care of the situation. Knock one of them off. Um, at some point during that shootout, uh, Toby does take one to uh, the abdomen, the gut, kind of you know lower stomach area. 
Um, they jump into the getaway truck. Yeah, we're definitely in the climax of the movie here. Uh, yeah. they're basically they only park the truck out front, but with uh, the noise from the gunshots and everything like that, and it being Western Texas where gun laws are, you know, right to right to bear arms for sure. Oh, um, I know, right? I think yeah. it's every We're, man in town comes out. With their, yeah, with, gun. with their gun. There's at least six or seven people with any sort of t- pistol firearm that they have that's firing on Tanner and Toby right now. Have you ever but, played and, uh, Resident Evil Four? Have I? Yes, I have. That's a great game. It reminds game. me of the opening uh, scene in Resident Evil 4. Just you're one guy and all these townspeople are descending on you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're absolutely right. I mean, we're not talking one or two people. We're talking like 10. Yeah. And the entire time they managed to – I have no idea how they managed to escape that. I mean, they get Tanner did get shot. I mean, excuse me, Toby did Toby. get shot. But Tanner – Unscathed, unscathed. Yeah, and it was it was a real it was a real crap fest. Yeah, but. he dives in the front seat and gets the truck out of there without even looking through the windshield. Not that the windshield's of <laughs> much use. That car without crashing into filled with bullets. But yeah, but they, and then they uh, the the chase isn't over there. They start trying to make way, and uh, all those townspeople went chasing after them. So uh, I don't know as a civilian uh of the united states of america um and also i don't own a a weapon i don't know if you do matt but i personally do not own a weapon but maybe if i did i still don't know if i would ever go up trying to chase down bank robbers it just seems like a i i would want to go home to my family (laughs) and that seems like a good way to risk it for no reason other than just being like a good citizen right i yeah I, I wouldn't either but i think you know getting into the mentality of these uh you know people it's kind of a uh hey this is you know my small town you know you two guys have just like you know caused all this uh chaos in there you know commotion what, what good does calling the cops do, you know, when there's probably, you know, one or two cops per small town, they don't know that, you know, the Texas marshals are already on their way. Um, you know, they know what's going on. And so they're kind of taking the law into their own hands. You know, I, would I do it? No, but do I, you know, kind of get it? Yeah. Oh yes. I understand. I understand the reasoning behind it. I'm speaking to myself as the individual who would not like to get shot no, not because <laughs> as we get to moments later, uh, just to kind of catch back up to the synopsis is that, uh, fellow, uh, uh, civilians. And what does uh, Tanner do? He pulls over his gun. He carried, he brought rifles. He pulled out a automatic machine gun and definitely scared them off by putting a few clips in the air. Yeah, he doesn't hit any of them, but their cars are just Swiss cheese after this. And it's like, you know, good luck explaining that to your insurance. Exactly. <laughs> Chase down these two bank robbers. Um, but yeah, nobody's nobody's hit there. But uh, yeah, so that, uh, that gets them off their tails. Uh, but they're not in the clear yet. Um, Tanner and Toby... 
drive up to where they left uh, their second vehicle. Um, Toby goes ahead, gets out of the truck, brings the uh, cash they just got from the score. Says, you know, like, hey, Tanner, get in. We're going to, you know, go. Uh, Tanner wants to, he, he knows that the cops are coming. He wants to buy some time for Toby to get back to the uh, casino and launder that money. Yeah. And so he kind of makes a uh, sacrifice here, you know, whether he knew it was going to be a sacrifice or not, but he wants to buy Toby some time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and especially since Tanner was a ex-con, you could tell that he wouldn't want to wish that uh, on his younger brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, the, uh, the marshals, they do find um, Tanner in the truck. Uh, they can tell us the right truck is just full of bullet holes. But, uh, <laughs> he leads them down kind of a, a chase off the roads. Um, he goes through a field and, uh, you know, some uh, kind of hilly areas. He's leading, um, you know, a fleet of cops with uh, Marcus and Alberto in their truck at the uh, rear. And uh, he has one um, smart idea before he kind of goes on a rampage. There's a, I think it's a gasoline canister. Yes. Uh, that he has in his passenger yeah, seat. Before we get into it, I do have to say, out of all the desperate attempts to get away from the cops, this man pulled the most Grand Theft Auto. A bit. Like, yeah. I know how far I need to get right now. To get away. <laughs> be like hold off these cops for a little bit. But uh, oh, I, yeah, tank, I turned to my girlfriend uh, who was also watching the movie with me. The, um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Bridges and Alberto here are chasing him up a hill, but their trucks can't make it how steep this hill is. So Tanner just douses the car and gasoline keeps the tank in there, lights a flame. And then uh, puts it in neutral, and <laughs> the car starts pulling on down there and becomes yeah. a rolling bomb towards the other car. Yeah, it's basically yeah. a giant Molotov cocktail, exploding car. Yep, yep. So big explosion. Um, I don't think anybody's hurt in here, but you know, one of the uh, one of the police vehicles. Uh, blows up along with it. So causing some chaos. Uh, Tanner gets away. He brings a, uh, I think it's a sniper rifle. Either way, hunting rifle or something, but it has a scope on it. So this is kind of the point where I'm like, oh man, you know, like what are you, like he, he, he probably could have ran away into the woods. It's Texas, man. Like, did you see those open wide plains? There's no trees. There's no nothing. He would be running. He'd be running for miles, yeah, going nowhere. Especially now that he didn't have a car or anything like that. I just feel like it would have been crazy, but um, I guess. But this cemented it for me. I mean, you know, he he he's just looking for a little bit of a uh, little bit of chaos, you know, before he goes out. He's he doesn't want to turn himself over so easy. So he posts up in a hill and uh, starts taking shots at the police. Down the hill. He's at the high uh, ground so he's got the with high a ground. single bolt action sniper rifle. So he is definitely one to be dangerous. Yep. So taking pot shots, you can hear him clinging off the car. Um, now we haven't really talked too much about no, Alberto. You're right. Um, I guess 
Let's go into, I mean, just you know, oh, sure, little, sure, little sure. character development before so we, we find we out. We definitely have a uh, Starsky um, and Hutch relationship here between Alberto and Marcus, yes. Jeff Bridges' <laughs> character. Old, yeah. like a couple weeks from retirement. And, you know, he's got he's got his old mannerisms that old uh, class, like Native American jokes and puns and stuff like that. That almost seems to like Alberto gets it. But there is a time in the movie where he seems like truly annoyed by it, which again, which again plays against the, uh, you know, Native American cultural change that's happened through texas throughout the last hundred years or so but uh he's uh so he's a family man alberto's a family man he's also a christian man with Mm -hmm. not necessarily strange but uh i personally do not stay up listening to christian rock or you know turning on the tv channel to my local pastor uh Oh, you do. Yeah, oh, you I do. just DVR Good. mine. Just binge watch it. That's that's smart thinking. <laughs> but uh, yep. Uh, personally, I believe that's not uh, my cup of tea. To any of those viewers that do appreciate that stuff, that's fine with you. Fine with them. I won't get too political about it. But uh, uh, Jeff Bridges makes a great point that uh, the pastor in the show, even though this is Alberto's things he's watching, uh, said that. He, this, he couldn't find God and things like that, which I, I think has merit, but, uh, you know, it's um, to each their own, to each their own, as I always uh, understand it. But that's Alberto. He's a, uh, basically a family man. And uh, a little foreshadowing I would like to mention, because um, since we are a, you know, seen it type of movie podcast, people know what we're about to discuss next. A little foreshadowing earlier on in the uh, uh, movie was when Alberto was talking to Marcus about what's he going to do for retirement? What's he going to do to kill his time? And the second, the second that Alberto starts talking mm-hmm. about his dream about taking his family onto a big fishing boat, I mean, that's perfect. Anyone that has a, yeah, a little bit of extra right sense there. into how <laughs> movies play out and stuff like that, that is a big red flag that you're not going to be surviving anymore. I was counting down. Exactly. The exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> you're not getting that fishing boat there, Alberto. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah. The, Cause they started out talking about how, yeah, Jeff Bridges is, you know, a couple weeks from retirement and that used to be the trope of, you know, just kind of the, uh, Oh, on the verge of retirement cop. And he doesn't make it through the movie. So they changed it up a little bit there, but yeah, as soon as Alberto was uh, talking about what his plans were going to be, that's a right. That's a dead, exactly. dead giveaway. To, uh, to be words. honest, in my yeah, <laughs> and, exactly uh, sure. as is we've been discussing with Tanner uh, in his little perch spot on top of the mountain with his high bowl action rifle. Um, got Alberto gets smacked in the face. He gets he gets. He's bulletized. He's yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he's pushing up daisies. Uh, and this this part I have to bring up because uh, I just don't think they took the situation serious enough. You know, uh, into there's yeah. Now have it that the last couple of days has been a goose chase for them. They've been you know 
get no clues. None of the witnesses have gotten any good looks of the these guys, Tanner and Toby. Uh, but when they finally get the, uh, their sniff, the bloodhound sniff, and they they're riding off to go catch Tanner and them, they put on you know like uh, they turn on the radio to get some you know blood action music. They're trying to get that rock and roll energy going on with them, and then they Tanner is perched up in his spine mm-hmm. and he's trying to. Uh, you know, defend his life. Alberto and Marcus hop out of their vehicle, even though they are getting shot at, they're kind of uh, meandering to cover, you know, they're lackadaisically like taking the situation. And uh, as we can see, Tanner is an ex con with gun experience and a little bit of craziness. And Alberto was a victim to that. Yeah, so that's right. I I don't know that Marcus was taking it too seriously up until that happens. Yeah, I think um, he was taking it know, more obviously. serious than Alberto ever did, especially when they were discussing where they think the bank was going to be right. next. Uh, Alberto just seemed like a, a behind-the-desk officer, if you ask me. Yeah, so I think Marcus was seeing this whole thing as kind of just a, uh, a fun goose chase, you know, fun last hurrah. Let's, let's get these guys, um, you know, up until his partner gets killed. And then that, uh, oh, that lights the fire under Marcus. Um, so here we get some. Uh, it's just, I, it's I believe it's the same civilians that were chasing up. them out of town to begin with before that same they were ones. unloaded okay. on, um, before they were unloaded on by Tanner, his machine gun. Right. Yeah, and so uh yeah, Marcus enlists the help of one of them who knows the uh the mountains a little bit better than uh he or you know Tanner do. And um so yeah, that guy takes him around kind of around the back to uh flank Tanner without him even knowing that anybody's uh you know kind of broken from um the rest of the cops. And, uh, yeah, sure enough. I mean, Jeff Bridges, um, uses this guy's rifle, takes a deep breath, lines things up and, uh, knocks off Tanner. Yeah. So one shot to the head and that's all it takes. Um, And we haven't discussed it yet because, uh, there's a point, um, at this, uh, right before Marx's death where he, uh, comes to a re- realization about a conversation he had with a gentleman at the casino who was of Apache descent, correct? Comanche, excuse uh, me, Comanche. Comanche, Comanche. And uh, so at that point when Marcus was at the poker table with this Comanche man, they almost seemed heated at each other because uh, Marcus, uh, no, excuse me, Tanner makes this sly racist mark remark to the man and from there Comanche uh, the Comanche native man spoke about uh, the definition of what Comanche means and it means enemies to everyone and they were once lords of the land now they're enemies of everyone that took it from them and at that point Tanner definitely Mm -hmm. had that lord uh, you know king over his land feeling and it was almost like um, the story of, of Mice and Men for any of you guys that like to have a read every once in a while. But right, it was very like almost for uh, playing with the bunnies, you know, petting the bunnies before, <laughs> before, uh, 
thank you, thank you. I yeah, forgot George their names, but right before uh, <laughs> gets bullet to the head, then just petting the bunnies, looking out at the sunset, and that was very uh, much the way that Tanner went with a kind of smile on his face, unbeknownst to his uh, intimate demise. And it was a one shot to the head, so I'm sure he was. It was instant kill. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh... Yeah, so that's that's it for Tanner. Right. Uh, so at the end of this, we seem to uh, we cut back to Toby, who's back at the casino, clearing up the rest of his money and everything like that. But the, there's a shadow hanging over him. I mean, there was the death of three innocent men and his own brother. So, right, he sees a uh, newscast says that they got one of, you know, the bank robbers. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, he, I mean, now he knows that Tanner died. Yeah. Um, so he's Definitely. Pretty emotionally but also for but... Jeff Bridges' character, because, you know, uh, with at least Toby, with at least Toby's character, he can find some relief into his, I mean, what must be a mountain of guilt. And knowing that what he was doing was providing for his uh, his sons, his family, and now they're set for life and everything like that. Right. But for Jeff Bridges, especially being the widower that he is, and, uh, and now he's retired, so he doesn't have a job to take his mind off anything. All he has left is the fact that uh, he's he's is on his last mission. He lost his partner. Right, it's eaten at him. And so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the movie, so basically, Toby, he goes ahead, takes that money. He's right in time to avoid, you know, his ranch's foreclosure. And he deeds the ranch into a family trust that he puts in the uh, names of his his two sons. Um, And he actually handles that trust through uh, Texas Midlands Bank, which is really covering their tracks. So that, you know, that bank doesn't really ever have much of a reason to go sniffing around. You know, they're going to be making more out of this deal than what they lost. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, uh, Marcus, he retires, but it's still eating away at him. You know, it's It's kind of that one final thing that um, unfinished business. Yeah, he he needs to tie The director does a great job at really showing the fact that time is moving by so slowly for marcus and uh even though he's a man sitting on his porch like he was practicing it's it's not on good thoughts yeah he doesn't seem like somebody who would be taking retirement very well anyways but especially with this he uh <laughs> he, he needs to you know he, really he, needs to he really does out. so um, yeah so w- what does he do what does he do matt tell us what happens last First, he pays his old office. Visit. That's true. He does do that. So tell us that thing and then the last thing that happens in the movie. <laughs> I'm on it. So, yeah, he pays his old office a visit. Um, the uh, woman who's taken over the case, uh, she says that, hey, um, yes, Toby may have been a suspect at one point, but they've cleared his name from being the uh, second robber who's unidentified. Um, you know, they think it might have been somebody that uh, Tanner had 
been in prison with, um, you know, da, 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 da. But yeah, Toby, I mean, he has a clean slate. Um, never been convicted of anything in the past. Uh, and also, Hey, he's making 50,000 a month on this oil refinery. What would he have wanted to, uh, you know, get a measly 40,000 from the banks for, you know, that just doesn't seem right. to add up, but, uh, that's not good enough mm-hmm. of an answer for mm-hmm. Marcus. And so he goes and pays Toby a visit. Yeah. Right. So he goes to the ranch. Um, so, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a standoff at this point. I mean, you can see Toby has, um, rifle in his hands, but that doesn't really disarm Marcus. He keeps on walking forward. Um, you know, Toby tells him, Hey, you're on my property. Technically I could, uh, you know, shoot you down and, you know, nobody would blink an eye, but at, you know, Marcus is too good for that. <laughs> and so he walks right up. Um, they have a seat. Uh, Toby offers him a beer and uh, I mean, Marcus doesn't really beat around the bush. He says, uh, mm-hmm. why'd you do mm-hmm. it? Yeah. He said he was going to figure out the how, but he asked why. Because uh, he, I mean, just nothing got right. past him. He knew exactly that he was involved the entire time, and he even made the point to make sure that he knew that Tanner wasn't the one behind it. It had to be Toby, and uh, it was all for right. it was for the yeah. unfinished business. I mean, you have to have some sort of conclusion, some sort of clarifying understanding for Jeff Bridges, so at least he could sleep at night. But. Uh, uh, honestly, it didn't look like that answer was given because Toby doesn't really spill the beans on anything, even though it didn't really need to be said. But no, he pretty much says all he has to. And I, I honestly, I kind of thought that we might get a uh, a final mm-hmm. shootout right there. But just in the nick of time, uh, Toby's ex wife and two sons pull up. Yeah. Um, they are now Diffused the owners. Situation of the a lot. Sure. Turns out. Yeah, completely diffuse. You know, they kind of do the um, <laughs> kind of that intro from uh, Kill Bill One, where um, you know uh, <laughs> Uma Thurman is fighting. Um, oh the yeah, and then the, the kid comes back and it's like, yeah. um, the daughter comes in and you know, oh, this is mommy's old friend, <laughs> right? Yeah, so kind of that exact scenario. Um, you know, hey, this is my old friend. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of the ranch hand here. I'll see you guys tomorrow. And uh, yeah, Toby and um, Marcus have one final kind of interaction as Marcus is walking down the driveway. Toby says, hey, I'm renting a house in town. You know, come pay me a visit, whatever you want. They, you, you know, it was very, not being uh, subtle about it amb- at all. It was an ambiguous saying. showdown. It was for two points. One was to both of them to really understand that for each other, for one another, that neither of them are coming out of this guiltless. Yeah. Marcus understands that it was his fault that Alberto got killed. And because, and then it was, Mm -hmm. I mean, Toby was the mastermind behind all the bank robberies. So even though he did it for personal gain and for his, for his two sons and everything like that, there's, you know, there's death on his conscience. Oh yeah. There's blood on his hands, even if it's not direct, but yeah. So they say, uh, you know, Hey, let's meet again, you know, quote unquote, finish the conversation. 
going to bring you some peace and stuff like that. So, uh, and that's where the movie ends. You know, we never get the uh, resolution. Yeah. But I like yeah. It, it didn't need to happen. Um, it didn't need to happen. And I think that's the power, no, that's the power of ambigu- ambiguity. And uh, also the power of things like silence. You know, a lot can be said without words and a lot can be shown without actually being seen. And uh, that's my poem. You can catch me at the next coffee, the coffee shop uh, on Tuesdays. Yeah, oh, snaps, please. No claps. <laughs> snaps, no claps. <laughs> it's like exactly. It's copyrighted. So, right? um, I have a, I have a couple have of topics, you know, that might be good to, you know, now that that synopsis is over, I know we went to rather extensive detail with that. But, uh, one thing I want to bring up, uh, because I'm a firm believer that, especially for, um, the man behind the camera and the director and everything like that, that everything that's shot in a scene is there for a reason. Uh, so whether it's being said or not, you know, uh, the symbolism lies in, in every take. So uh, my question to Matt here is that upon uh, Tanner's death, you could tell there's a uh, rattlesnake next to his boot, right next to his boot. So what do you right. think the rattlesnake symbolized in that scene yeah so he had a uh he was renting a um kind of a old camper at one point in the movie and uh you know toby comes over they have a beer and right in that camper um he has one of those uh yellow don't i saw that yeah flags hung there the one Uh with the rattlesnake that's coiled up I think that was uh, kind of symbolic of, you know, that's, that's Tanner's way of life, you know, like don't tread on me, you know, like, uh, they're, yeah, you know, don't, back, no don't back me in a, um, back me in a corner. You you'll know, feel my libertarian. Bite. Yeah. So I think that was, uh, I mean, he went out the Live. way that he probably it's the way he lived would have wanted to go out anyways. Yeah. And so they show that rattlesnake there. I mean, you know, it's, obviously uh didn't work out for him but um you know what what was he gonna do after this even if everything did turn out peachy i mean he would have been bored he probably would have robbed some more banks he's not the kind of guy right that jeff bridges uh, character did state that at one point now whether or not it would be true you know who's to say but uh i mean his rationale for helping him was family and for the the thrill that he's already, you know, seeked before once with his conviction to jail the first time. So, you know, it's easy to come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, so I, I don't think that there's a wasted shot in this whole movie. I mean, it's a, it's a tight package. Um, you know, they, I don't think that there's anything that I would eliminate from that, you know, even the like, kind of wrestling scene that <laughs> you know there's no talking or dialogue or anything but you know it's showing that like hey these are you know brothers of course brothers are gonna like rough house and stuff yeah. like that i mean i think everything that was in the everyone movie, i think it uh you know out. speaking as a uh a brother as well you know as in the sibling spectrum of things left and right whether or not you're like completely you know inseparable or you don't communicate at all that it's important to see where they fall on the spectrum because uh not every single brother out there would help their other brother you know 
<laughs> rob banks and uh, and uh you know keep their mm-hmm. keep their family afloat yeah definitely and so i mean yeah credit goes to both the uh writer and director on this movie um so director um this gentleman named david mckenzie uh i was looking back through his filmography i didn't know that i've seen anything that he's been in Mm -hmm. it's actually of scottish descent um which very cool but you know i think he captured that you know western kind of desolate feeling so well um i wouldn't be surprised if he you know kind of grew up watching yeah yeah Uh, i mean uh wide open plains small town yeah, Ben. He picked it. He, I would say he definitely picked some of the right uh, actors to definitely get his point across. Yeah, and then the uh, the writer, kind of Taylor Sheridan. Um, so I'd heard that name before, and uh, he was actually a writer on Sicario. Have you no, ever seen that movie? I have not. Okay, great movie. Kind of uh, deals with. Um, like a Mexican drug cartel, but kind of the same feeling. I can, you know, definitely see the themes from it, but um, I mean, both great movies. We might have to check out Sicario at some point. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'll be excited to see what he has next because those other two movies. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm always, you know, me, man, always down to putting more movies on my movie watch list. Um, what else were some things? Um, we already touched a little bit on, uh, you know, uh, racism being alive in Texas. And, uh, I mean, we can also, this is another classic movie about how the American banking system, it's screwing its, its patrons, uh, tons of excellent movies out there that can, you know, the big short for the, uh, yeah, that's a great one. Big sure, um, right? mm, any movies coming to mind when you think of the the banking the banking world just taking advantage of <laughs> the, the smaller the smaller man i don't think any of them deal with it as directly as the big short does i mean others that might be like a subplot or something but <laughs> you know hey i'm gonna lose my house if we don't do this thing but the big short's pretty much that's the yeah definitely the definitely um, uh, it's really uh it's sad to see and um you could i mean it just i don't know why but it, you, you just really see it in this movie just by coming to these little small towns they're they're, they're, they're ghost towns i mean it's honestly a big yeah, question why yeah yeah it dry. really is uh just um you know there's whenever you think of texas i can't help but think of uh you know, Dallas, Houston, all, all the big major cities, just like how I think about North Carolina, you know, uh, just Charlotte, Raleigh and stuff like that. But all the other small, little small towns mm-hmm. that you just like, you're from the state and you've never heard of it before. It's just crazy to think about just because you spent your entire life there. You don't even know all, like all the little small places that your state uh, has. And Texas is no exception. If, if anything, it's, worse much much like much much more small towns far fewer less people exactly further and then uh and so how is a place like that supposed to make any money 
apparently with the uh, T-bone steaks and baked yeah. potatoes that that waitress she was trying to like sell. She used a couple more T-bone steaks. <laughs> she was a brutal old lady. Needs to meet in those bones. Yeah, she was. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I also like um, kind of I thought about this a little bit. I mean, there's so many examples of bank robber movies out there, uh, you know, and some of them are just like, you know, the, the thrill seeker tanners out there. Uh, one of them that comes to mind mm-hmm. is uh, the movie with Denzel Washington, the inside uh, inside man. Yeah, inside job. Inside yeah, job. One of, it was one of those. Oh, yeah, two. Inside man. And uh, that was, that was not, I, I believe I feel like that was totally for the thrill seek. You know, the fact that I can I can rob this bank, I can get in and out, and you know, all that that's that's for the chase. Same thing for uh, George Clooney and Brad yeah. Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. It might not have been banks, but casinos nonetheless. And it definitely was just for the thrill sake of it. But. Yeah, there's a solid plan to it, but yeah, they, they want uh, that. Yeah, I mean, nothing more adrenaline Russian than like you know scoring a huge score like a a million dollars or anything like that. But uh, it's 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 for that reason. It's for the thrill. But you can see here that it's it's desperation. It's desperation, and um, there are multiple scenarios where you know you can be in need or uh desperate like uh for example when jeff bridges is thinking of uh you know the drug dealers but drug dealers are going to go after you know petty crimes it really takes true desperation to think that like ah, the only way i can come out of my troubles is robbing a bank and uh the, the issue here the reason i'm bringing this up is because um tanner and toby being the poor people that they are victims of the system you know, they they didn't have a chance to not be poor. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those same banks were kind of leeching on the mother. Yeah, this is the funny thing. The Did you see the the, the pattern? They were getting robbed by Texas mutual banks. They were robbing Texas mutual banks. Uh-huh. And then they paid mutual Texas banks back with their own money. That's exactly how it did it. So they, yeah. they, the shoe was on the other foot, but instead of, but it was much more, uh, you know, illegal and much more chaotic to rob these banks and stuff of like that. But still, that's exactly how they do it. They, since they were doing that to their mother, they they turned around and did it right back to them. Yeah, I wouldn't call these guys modern no, day Robin Hoods, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I can see how they can justify right. it. But I themselves. guess the reason I'm bringing this up is like it makes it goes into thinking of like what kind of person does it take to rob a bank besides the thrill seekers? Like, um, like uh, for example, uh, earlier on in the movie, Toby gives the waitress at the very beginning who he was flirting with when we were talking about that diner scene, a bigger, a big tip, like a $200 tip. Mm-hmm. I, right. And Jeff Bridges needs that right. for evidence when he goes to the cafe to start look, digging up some clues, but she needs that money to pay off her mortgage. Now, like she's technically that money is evidence, but she's going to hold on to that for all of her life, which would technically make her, you know, like a thief because that's not her money. But it's also like, you know, it's a tip. She worked hard for it. And, uh, it just goes to show that like there's di- that, like the 
level of like people's idea of crime in their head and like how much desperation do you need? How much like, you know, in the hole are you that you can justify putting yourself at, you know, X amount of risk. Right. Yeah. yeah. Once you're backed into such a corner, you Tanner know, and Toby were definitely to backed yourself? into that corner. So their risk was very high to try and get these, the greater the reward, which was the banks, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. That's why, you know, you don't see a drug addict trying to rob a bank to get money for his next score. He's trying to deal with petty crime. So he just makes enough and is low risk. So it's crazy to think about, uh, what, kind of things people are thinking about when they go and decide to rob a bank and how much stress they must have on themselves to justify doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't make it any more right, especially, I mean, when there's, you know, kind of um, civilians who get, you know, make stuff in the middle of it. You know, it's, it's one thing if you're just trying to get back at the man, but you know, when somebody gets caught in the crosshairs or crossfire, then, you know, it's obviously well, sad. Scenario but, too. That's, that yeah, was, I mean, you know, that was for, because of uh, how bad the situation was turning out, but uh, they were, I mean, when you're stealing from a bank, you're really stealing from your neighbor. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, I'm sure that was weighing on their minds when they were doing it anyways. Probably the main reason why they, besides the, the risk factor of taking the bigger bills and getting that, the bank to track those bills, but also for the sake of maybe thinking, hey, I might be putting someone, you know, this might be someone's house, the mortgage money I'm taking. Right. They just wanted to take, you know, as little... <laughs> would add up to what they needed, which yeah. turned out to be either that or I'm just BSing right now. They they never thought out of that one. Well, no, I mean it's good thoughts. You know, it's it's something that obviously, I mean, unless something comes up on the news about you tomorrow, I I don't think either of us <laughs> are bank robbers. Um, I don't know what you have going on the rest of the night, but yeah. Well, yeah, it's kind of hard to step into those shoes and be like, "Hey, what's going through the mind?" You know, not not everybody's doing it for the wrong reasons, um, but you know, there's there's always ways to go about it that uh, have less risk on you and also less risk to your neighbor if you know somebody does get kind of caught in the uh, exactly crossfire. exactly. So, uh, good points, good points. Anything else that you felt like uh, were good talking? some topics that you came across when you were watching the film that we haven't covered dude i don't know i mean this this movie is loaded with um you know obviously we've uh gone through (laughs) every bit of the plot possible and wrung it dry um you know you can tell that uh you know toby now has the ex-wife and uh two sons who seem kind of we don't even actually see the second. Yeah, we see him. We see him at the very last kind of, scene, like the last scene when he, they walk through the door and interrupt right. the, the bridges and yeah, Chris Pine was having a conversation. Yeah, but the one he has the uh, sit down with, uh, kind of a you know heart to heart. I hey, if you see something on the news about me or your uncle, it's all true, kind of a thing. 
Yeah, yeah they seem pretty distant. Uh, when I was seeing that scene, yeah. that was probably the most real conversation that Toby's ever had with his son, probably ever. So, and uh, he was nice. definitely giving that advice for the sake of if something happens, just know. Just, yeah, he right. wasn't even sure that he was going to make sure you know that uh, you don't follow my footsteps. I thought it was a big risk to tell a boy that young, and especially a boy that, you know, isn't, you know, necessarily in your good graces, that you're telling him that you're financially giving being financially, you know, gifted for the rest of his life with this oil that they found on his mother's farm. That was something that Toby decided to discuss with his son. And uh, that's a big risk because you never know how he's going to turn out with that money. He could have rolled up and done the exact same thing or wasted it or whatever have you. But um, Toby did, I think, an excellent job of doing the one good thing maybe he's ever done as a father just based off of their relationship and uh, telling him, hey, don't follow my footsteps. Yeah, I think that was kind of his, uh, you know, good piece last, of advice uh, before he kicked. Good piece yeah. of advice, last hurrah, you know. But yeah, no, dude, I think that we've, uh, I think we pretty well yeah, covered this Yeah, I think this so movie, too. Uh, scale of A, B, C, D, I would definitely give it a solid B plus. Uh, I like to keep my A's, you know, for the high category, so you won't be seeing me giving those a lot out. But okay. uh, if you like Westerns, like I know that me and Matt do, and uh, <laughs> we're coming late into the podcast here, but if you haven't seen it yet, you should see it now. <laughs> <laughs> now that you know everything that happens in the movie, yes, you should see it. I would definitely give this movie a recommendation. Um I like Westerns, uh, but I did watch it next to my girlfriend, who is not uh, historically a fan of Westerns, and she liked it too. I don't know if it was just because it was, you know, kind of the modern day. Got the hot for Jeff Bridges uh, or something. But uh, that could be it. Yeah, I'd say more so Chris Pine, but Jeff Bridges, he's he's a vampire. He's a good looking man. Of the sheer beauty. Sucks the blood out of the beauty. But okay, yeah. But I, I would give this a big recommendation. I, I would give it a, uh, I would give it a, an A, um, not an A plus, not an A minus. Good. Just an good, a. solid, solid. I think for an outro, it's um, definitely got yeah. uh, everything that you're looking for a western film. Maybe not so much of a cow poking, you know, train robbing type of western, but uh, it definitely gives off the feel of what modern day Texas is like. Um, it's what a modern day bank robber is, is probably like. I mean, for all we know, not being a, a bank robber expert by any means, but um, as all Westerns do, it um, gives off that note of sadness. I think there's always grief in Western. There's always some blues. It's the life of a cowboy. It's the solitude of being these rangers that Marcus and Alberta were. They might have been partners, but I mean, they were the, they were the only means of sort of uh, policing that kind of took place during the movie to chase after these guys. And it's a, it's a life on the road. It's a life on your ranch by yourself. And uh, there's no one out there except for you and your thoughts. So it's hard living. It's, it's hard, hard living. living, especially for that scene with the cowboys where they were crossing the cattle uh, when that firestorm was coming. So uh, it's, you know, it's that 
farmer living passed down from generation to generation. And uh, with that, it's honestly maybe the reason why I felt that um, early on I made a comment about how it felt behind the times, just generation and generation of keeping up old traditions that you're not really a, a appropriately adjusted to uh, the new age and what maybe Texas could have been if they weren't so reliant on these banks and the, you know, small towns and stuff like that. Right. And that you want something better for your definitely, definitely. That too. was Toby's main goal throughout the entire film. And uh, uh, I believe, I think that's all, I think that's what we always want. We always want something that's better for uh, our future generations than ourselves. Cool, man. Yeah. Cool. So I think we're both giving this movie a recommendation, but don't take our word hey. for it. Go see it yourself. Um, hope everybody enjoys it. Maybe if you haven't heard of it before, glad that we're introducing you to a new movie. But uh, Michael, until, next, until next time, uh, thank you for finding this podcast and listening to it. And we will talk to you later. <laughs>